You're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. Thank you so much, Peggy, for coming with us here today on Empathy Always Wins. Uh, you're just telling me how to pronounce Peggy Von de Plash. How yes. are you today? And um, <laughs> look, I was so, so, so excited when, when we reached out and we got in touch because I think what you're doing is incredible. Um, a lot of our audience today don't really know um you know psychedelics uh, the intersectionality between psychedelics and mental health so before yeah. kind of i go and dive deep into it would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself i know you had a very interesting background from bc and you know and now becoming <laughs> into an entire sort of different realm so i'll just give you the mic feel free to tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll kick it off from there Thank you. Thank you so much, Ali, for, for the invitation. It's really a pleasure to be uh, to be with you today. So as I'm sure you can hear to my accent, I'm, I'm from France originally, but I live uh, I live in Toronto. Now, so uh, I'm in the cold, very different weather than you guys. And uh, so, yes, my background is in finance. Uh, for the last 20 years, I've been a venture capitalist, a banker. And actually, I uh, changed career recently uh, in the last few months. Um, really following my experience with psychedelics. Um, what I was explaining you a bit offline is that um, I had mental health issue for a very long time. It was a very slow healing <laughs> process. And uh, I did a lot of research on uh, psychedelics in North America. It's extremely uh, prevalent. It's actually uh, decriminalized uh, in Canada. So we, I buy my own uh, psychedelics at my massage therapist. So it's a different <laughs> world. And, uh, and so I, I started experiencing and uh, I saw great results for my anxiety, uh, the, I would say my mood, but also managing um, my outlook, which was extremely negative. So uh, since then, I've been uh, singing the gospel of psychedelics. Um, again, what I'm doing is microdosing. We're going to discuss a bit more what uh, what it means, uh, and I'm very very happy to uh, share any insights uh, with with everyone today on that topic. Thank you so 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 much. So before we dive into microdosing and before we dive into psychedelics, can you tell us a little bit more about what are psychedelics and 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 how do they? Because it's scary. Let's put it that way. A lot of people. Um, you know, when they think of psychedelics, they think of LSD and, you know, all those uh, things, MDMA, all those drugs that, you know, people call the, the good, feel good drugs. Um, yes. And yeah. it almost, it's almost takes a different connotation or a different meaning as to, you know, can this be used for health? So let's talk a little bit, if you can just share a little bit about what psychedelics means uh, to, to you and then kind of let's dive into microdosing in, 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 in the way and we can dive into its benefits as well. Okay, that's great. Well, listen, and I want to start with, I never took recreational drugs before. So I was really like, absolutely <laughs> not uh, familiar with that. So to your point, I was more on the, let's do a lot of research before touching that thing, because I was not very keen on trying uh, psychedelics, to be totally honest with you. But when I did research, I realized, so just to step back, so psychedelics can be you mentioned LSD, you mentioned MDMA, they can be a psilocybin, which is what we commonly call magic mushrooms, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I, uh, I use. Um, I like the idea of being plant-based versus chemicals. Obviously, you have less chance for a surprise. You know? 
um, but also um, so so what microdosing does is it uses the psychedelics to rewire your brain. So you take extremely, extremely small dose, so you don't get the hallucinogenic okay. effect of yeah. psychedelics. So you just get the mental health benefits. You get additional benefits as well. So I'm going to go into the benefits in a minute. So psychedelics are actually compounds, as I just mentioned, whether chemicals, whether natural that are working on some of your brain receptors. Mm. And uh, the big difference with, for example, anti-depression medication, anti-anxiety medication, is that psychedelics actually rewire your brain. So it works on neuroplasticity. Mm. While if you're taking um, prescribed drugs, as I mentioned, anti-anxiety and the anti-depression, this is just treating the symptoms you're not solving the problem. So that's the big, big value of psychedelics uh, is that it really uh, work deep in order to solve the problem. So in North America, a lot, a lot of trials, clinic, clinical trials are happening. Um, veterans organization, both in the US and Canada, are doing a lot of trials with their members to help with anxiety, PTSD, uh, addictions, and all uh, depression and all this stuff. So it's it's really something that people understand brings the value without the eye. You know, when we think psychedelics, we think, okay, well, you're popping like three grams of mushrooms and then you're going in space for a few hours, you know, uh, which is recreational, you know, that's a different, uh, that's a different uh, goal. Uh, but the intention when you're doing it for your mental health is really to uh, alleviate uh, the, the challenge that you might have. Yeah. And I know that, you know, you, um, you started also writing a, a book. Can you give us a brief, a brief about Paris? Yeah and me because I know yeah. a lot of people uh, hearing you right now are, are, are seeing a very different take on something that really might be scary and I think you know the fact that you took a, a chance and you've written a book what does can you give us a little bit of a of, of a brief on what to expect about it yeah and you know so that's that's very interesting because if I go back to the benefits of microdosing uh, you can look at it in three buckets one is performance and focus which is why it's so popular in Silicon Valley. It's really Silicon Valley that brought back psychedelics and microdosing because they were using it for work, basically. Uh, the second is mental health, as we discussed, and the third bucket is uh, spirituality, really increasing your awareness and, and your compassion. So the book actually uh, was written thanks to microdosing and on microdosing because I wrote the first draft in 10 days. Wow. So, to give you, yeah, to give you a good idea of how much your performance and your focus is. And um, it was very interesting because I never wrote a book, obviously, before. And there I was just like sitting every day, writing a chapter a day. And after 10 days, I had the first draft. So that's what I want to mention is that you have great benefits on your mental health, but you also have other type of benefits that will come, you know, that will come, even if it's not what you're looking for, you will still get it, you know? 
So, uh, so that's how I wrote the book. And the book is really about uh, my experience with microdosing and all um, things that were triggering me a lot before, especially when I was going back home. You know, home is there is no place like home. You know, to trigger you. <laughs> <laughs> and so so that's really about me traveling back to Europe, uh, going back to France, seeing friends and relatives and realizing that, oh, my God, before I was totally reacting very strongly to that type of event. And now I'm just like, whatever, you know, so it's it's really that journey. And I wrote it in a humoristic way you know it's a memoir but it's more like it's like Bridget Jones meets it prelove you know like so it's like I I wanted to make it entertaining as well you know yeah no I think that you know it's it's really interesting how you um, I mean how you transitioned in your life and I think that um, there's there's so many of us listening today that you know are are fearing something and they're not being able to get past something and they're attached to something yeah. or a memory or a trauma. Um, how can we get past this fear of uncertainty or the unknown, which keeps yeah. us attached to, to something? And I think given that you've experienced what you've experienced, what can you say on that? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I will rewind a little bit in the sense so I, I went to finance as a career and I had a very successful career, but it was not me. I went into finance for all the wrong reasons because I was conditioned when I was younger. And my reaction was, well, you know what? Uh, being born a woman in the 70s in a small uh, city in the north of France was not necessarily a blessing, let's put it that way. So I was a bit like, okay, I'm going to show you what I can do. And it was really coming from a place of revenge and anger. And so... You know, when you realize that a lot of what you're doing is just in reaction to your family, your society, your ecosystem, for me, what was very important was to delayer, removing all this layer of protection to the conditioning and realizing what they were. So when you're telling me when you have a fear, as you say, the fear of uncertainty, well, it's because you've been conditioned that way you've been conditioned to be fearful because it's easier to control you if you're fearful than if you're saying, well, you know what? I am am in my power. I know what I want and I'm going to do it. Because people around you, they're not mean, but they have their own agenda. Yeah. You know, they might not want you to become, I don't know, a YouTube influencer. They want you to become a doctor because in the family, three generations of doctors. So they're going to create a lot of fear in you not on purpose, but uh, if you want to do something different. Yeah. So for me, the first step is first becoming aware of that. <laughs> what are the messages you've been hearing that are influencing you and starting removing all of this crap that you that is not yours, you know? So because for the longest time, what I was doing and what maybe uh, you and your audience have been doing was fighting you know, I was afraid, but I was fighting the, the fear, which is what created also a lot of struggle and anxiety. But the, the I would say the best approach is, is to remove slowly but surely the fear so you don't have to fight anymore. 
Does it make sense? Yeah. And when you're talking, I almost feel like everyone's got this moment that voila, like it just, it just, it just all implodes. And you said, I mean, you were talking before the show, it was, you know, when, when something or, or, or you know, you realize this wasn't for you. How, how do we almost, uh, when is it or, 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 or when is it the time that we step back or when can we do that? Uh, and and if you know what you know right now, what would, yeah. you, what would you almost have have done? Would you want it to explode earlier? Related? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yes, you know, and I'm very delighted because I know your audience is. You know, I'm 45, so obviously your audience is way younger than I. And I wish at the same age I was as uh, you know enlightened to to really look into things like that. I was just like one mind track corporate race and not thinking about anything. I think you guys, your generation is way more aware and way more interested in doing the right thing versus just doing what you're told. And I think that's great. Um, you know, for me, the, the challenge was layer, and I'm sure it's going to resonate with some people who are listening today. It was layer and layer of trauma, you know? So uh, my family trauma, my brother passed away, you know, a lot, a lot of challenges that came and came and came and came on top of each other until at some point you're just like, okay, well, I cannot, I cannot take it anymore. But, you know, had I been like you guys, more aware and starting early and realizing, you know what, that is not me, that fear is coming from my mother, that is not me, that fear is coming from my school and starting to understand that these were not my choices, but I was just doing what I was told, even if it's not what was my real truth, you know? But it took me a long, long time to realize that. I, I was just following what I was told to do, uh, like, a good, like a good soldier for many decades, you know? So I hope you guys stop way before me uh, doing that. <laughs> Mentioned a very big word, the truth, your truth. What was the truth that you believed, Peggy? Uh, what was Peggy's truth believe, and versus now? What's the what's your truth? Well, you know, I I'm not sure it was a truth. It was just you know the usual things that society is telling you. Okay, well, you need to study. Uh, you need to have a good corporate job. Uh, you need to uh, you know get up the ladder. Uh, you need to uh, buy your house. You need to get married. You, need, you know, like just the regular things. I never stopped to think. Um, well, maybe it's good for some people, but it's not good for me, and it's not what I want. Well, now I'm looking at things differently. I'm like, okay, well, why do I do that? I question a bit everything. I became my own scientist. Where I'm like, okay. If I feel, you know, not very good, I'm like, why don't I feel good? Is it because that person really overstepped my boundaries? Uh, or is it because uh, it reminds me of a wounds I had when I was a kid and I'm trying to remove all of that so I can really be back to who I was when I was probably a few years old before society was putting all these blankets on me, on you, on everyone, you know? So it's, um, you know, we all have a different truth because we all have a different purpose. But what's important is to know, okay, what is yours, what is mine, and act accordingly to it. But the most difficult, I thought, was to actually even realize that what I was doing 
was not me. It was just autopilot from from society, you know. And does that? I think that kind of. I think when we're we're on autopilot and we're almost we we almost don't realize why we're getting angry and we almost don't realize why we're reacting so intensely. I almost say every hysteric reaction comes from a a, a lack of, uh, you know, a lack of knowledge of something that's hysterically wrong within. I think like it's just a a mirror of what's not been kind of resolved inside. And um, Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that's the familiarity as well. Yeah. Because you've always reacted that way. So your nervous system is right away going. That's why I like I like microdosing because it gives your micro your uh, nervous system, you know, it, it quiets it down a notch. So you're not as reactive. So it's easier to be present and it's easier to catch yourself before you react the way you used to. You know, like you're able to look at yourself and see, oh, here I am again being angry, or oh, here I am again being fearful. Or, well, before you're so much in the moment, in the reaction, but you cannot stop the process. Mm-hmm. It's just action, reaction. It's like the Pavlov dog. You <laughs> hear the bell, you salivate, you know, that's, that's, that's that. I think that's a very powerful uh, statement there. And is is microdosing for everybody? Like, uh, do you have is or is it for specific like mental health situations? Or what would you say on that? Well, listen. Today, uh, I would say the, the four biggest buckets where clinical trials are happening are really depression, anxiety, trauma, so PTSD, and addictions. So it still covers a lot, you know, like when you look at anxiety, many, many of us have anxiety, depression, we all have, I think, not all, but a lot of us have also some degree of that. So I would say that in terms of mental health, it covers a lot. Does it mean that it's uh, applicable to everyone? I wouldn't think so, you know, like I think if you have schizophrenia or very uh, deep uh, challenges, I'm not sure if it's a great idea. Um, but again, everything is being tested right now because what happened is that all the research on psychedelics have been posed in the 60s. Uh, yeah. at the, you know, as I'm sure you know, with Nixon and the war on drugs. So we lost 60 years of yeah. research on what could have been. So now people are really trying to catch up. But, you know, clinical trials take time. Yeah. So, yeah. I think uh, there's so much we can learn, and um, um, what where do you see the future of of microdosing and uh, psychedelics? Uh, in your point of view, do you see it kicking off in in certain countries or within certain careers, or like because I think the the, the luxury well being and, and 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 almost this 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 need for now us to kind of, the happiness is becoming such a big 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 topic today that. That we really um and, and and of course Gen Z like people you know twenty five twenty three up to like 20, 30 and and even above and beyond they're starting to realize like I don't care about certain things I'd rather just understand myself and I am enough and I think that's a conversation that's starting to change so where are you where are you seeing that correlate with 
microdosing yeah. and psychedelics. Do you see there's a correlation or do you see perhaps yeah. certain people are more likely to, because I know you're you're part of that community as well. What yeah. are you, what trends are you seeing? So, you know, it's very interesting because I've, I've been doing a lot of public speaking on, on the topics and people come to microdosing for different reasons. Uh, as I mentioned, some people more corporate come to it for performance and focus. So it has absolutely nothing to do, I would say, uh, related to awareness. It's exactly the opposite, actually. <laughs> but but we might still get the benefits. So that's good, you know. After you have uh, probably like you, your audience, myself, people who are doing it for a couple of reasons, mental health, but also awareness, which for me are very, very linked, you know. And so I see people from all ages, different genders, different backgrounds being very interested with that. And it's very um, surprising because the most unlikely people I'm speaking with are actually the most interested in the topic. So you cannot really say, okay, it's going to be the, the cool kid or the whatever. No, I have like literally like guys in their 50s corporate jobs, super straight that are asking me questions, what my regimen, you have mothers, you have, you know, like it's really a very, very, um, it's great. I mean, you want not just people who are already um, more aware to look at that. You really want everyone, otherwise, you know, it's never going to change, you know? So, uh, so no, it's, it's, I don't think there is a profile. And, and kind of before we wrap up, I'd love to learn about your regimen. I think this is the biggest question. <laughs> I wanted to leave the best for uh, yeah. last. What is your microdosing regimen and, and how do you, and, and, and how are you going on about it? Yeah, so, so first I want to say that I did a lot of research. So I didn't start just uh, like that. Um, but I also want to say that we all have different bodies. So my regimen might not be the optimal regimen for you. And even my regimen today is not the same than the one I had six months ago, because I'm not the same person. Actually, my dosage has decreased drastically. Yeah. So, so, I, uh, so when I started, I did a lot of research and there was a very interesting uh, piece on microdosing for beginners. So um, microdosing... Share um, that too. And, you can share that in the link. I will, I, will, I will share it and I will share you know, the piece I wrote with my regimen and all of that. So you will have, you will have everything, your audience will have everything. Um, so microdosing is basically taking 5 to 10% of a dose that someone take for a trip, you know, and you take that small dose every day or every three days, depending on what you want. Uh, some people who are more focused on performance will take it from Monday to Friday, and then they pause during the weekend. So usually, uh, so when I started, I was taking 300 milligrams of psilocybin, the mushrooms, not uh, LSD, don't take that as LSD because that's a lot. <laughs> and MDMA, something. So I'm really speaking about, uh, about psilocybin. And you also have different type of mushrooms. So I started with what we call the golden teacher, which is the mildest, the most beginner type of mushroom. So I started with extremely small dose every three days. And then I started experimenting every other day, a bit bigger, a bit smaller, until I could see what was good for me. And that's really what I recommend to people is 
start with something that is normal or average and then look because you might not like the same mushroom. I love a golden teacher. You might like another one. You might want to do it every three days. I do it every two days. You know, so so it's it's important to um, start with a baseline, but adjust to your own need. You know, it's not one size fits all. Thank you so much, Peggy. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to sort of do a quick fire round. That's me asking you a question. You kind of responding back just very quickly. So are you okay. good? Okay. I am great, yeah. What would you say is a book that influenced your life? The Alchemist. I really liked it. Yeah. Paulo Coelho, I'm sure many of you have read it, but it's, uh, it's still a book I'm, I'm reading uh, often. Yeah, Yeah, I love The Alchemist. What would, what so there's would... a second one. Can I give a, a bonus yeah. answer? Yeah. I, love, I love Richard Bach. Uh, everything he wrote, Illusions, uh, Living Stone. So I can write you down. Richard Bach, excellent, excellent as well. Your audience, gonna, if you love The Alchemist and Quello, you're going to love Richard Bach and Illusions and everything you want. I'm going to be sharing all those recommendations with the audience once we sort of wrap the podcast and you send uh, uh, the links over. Um, if there was one thing you wish you had known um, at the age of 25, What's one thing you would have told your 25-year-old self? One thing. Well, that, that you know, I uh, I should live my life on myself and not to please others, you know? And I realized that I, I built my life around others' needs versus around my own needs. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> so really focusing on what is good for you versus doing what you're supposed to do, that's probably the biggest advice I could give to anyone. Thank you so, so, so much, Peggy. And uh, I hope you really enjoyed the, you know, spending time on Empathy Always Wins. It's always a pleasure yes. having you on. And uh, I definitely yeah. think that this isn't going to be the last time. We'll definitely do a part two later on. And uh, as we continue the microdosing, because we don't have people that talk about microdosing. <laughs> uh, well, if you want next time, I will talk to you about macrodosing because I tried that as well. So it was it was very, very good. But thank you so much, Ali, and thank you to everyone who's listening. I always answer if there are questions so people can feel free. I'm sure you're going to put my social media handle. So if people want to reach out to me, I'm so happy to um, give more details if, if it's helpful. Absolutely. No, I'll definitely do that. And um, yeah, we'll definitely touch base. Thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you. Uh, do feel free to share it with your friends. Drop us a rating on Apple. Subscribe to the show. Follow it on Spotify. And we'll see you soon in a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. Take care and have a lovely day, guys. Thank you.